Welcome to episode 86 of The Route, presented by the Sport Marketeer uh, newsletter, a sport marketing publication. The Route is a glorified sports business coffee chat that is a new guest every episode as they share their experiences and route in sports. I'm Christopher Nascimento, and let's get started. As always, two things to cover before we get going. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to The Route Sports on social media. We're going to be doing more clips and uh, you know, different social media graphics more uh, in the near future here. So check that out. Um, we're on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff and, uh, and LinkedIn, right? So the people listening here, you know, you're, you're professionals in sports, you're business people, different things like that. So that's uh, a platform that we're actually getting a lot of traction on. And it's a great way to either start your network if you're young or even just further it within, uh, within the sports space. So check us out there at Throughout Sports. And the other piece of business to cover before we get going um, is subscribe to the podcast, right? So and we're on 12 or 11 platforms, something like that. You can, there's the big ones here if you're watching us on video. So subscribe and like on YouTube um, at White Whale Marketing. So White Whale MKTG on YouTube. And then on Apple, you know, subscribe, rate five stars. It allows us to become more easily discoverable. Now that business has been covered, kind of get to the good stuff. So I'd now like to welcome the first ever athlete we have uh, join us at Waywell Marketing and a Canadian professional soccer player. So he has experience in Spain, Ireland, the US, and now in Canada with Calvary FC. Ben Fisk, welcome to the route. How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for joining. Well, like I said before we started, nothing too crazy with this podcast. There's one real question that I have scheduled in the rest of this conversation. Take us through your route. So where did it start and how did we, you know, become a professional soccer player? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, obviously my parents loved each other very much uh, <laughs> to the point that they decided, uh, you know, they wanted to to have a kid. And, uh, you know, I think I was probably kicking balls around in my mom's tummy there. Uh, I came out flying with a little too much energy and, uh, I guess the rest is kind of history. They put me in every sport under the sun. And, uh, you know, my kind of top three were probably soccer, basketball, hockey. Uh, wasn't tall enough for basketball. Wasn't tough enough for hockey. Uh, that left me with uh, with footy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, played all three sports uh, up until high school. Um, then I kind of, like I said, kind of chose footy and felt like that was kind of, you know, my best route uh to plug your your uh title there <laughs> um you know i was kind of growing up like there's only one thing i ever wanted to do uh when i grew up and that was uh be an athlete so it was more just a question which sport um so i picked footy went with it um you know i was lucky enough to to get in some good environments uh in my youth playing days uh mainly with with the white caps youth programs in vancouver um so the, there it's you know it's just kind of trying to step from from level to level staying near the top of the uh the food chain in terms of uh the best players for your age group and and uh you know everyone's obviously there with the same kind of hopes and dreams uh and you're you're i mean you're your teammates with with guys along the way but you're obviously also competing for for careers so um you know that kind of mentality of trying to be at the top of the food chain i guess so to speak uh was kind of bred into me pretty early on and and 
Um, you know, I'm a guy who's kind of prides myself on, on having put in the work for everything uh, that I've gotten. So um, came up through the Whitecaps program, uh, signed my first pro deal at 18. Um, never really got much of an opportunity there. So at uh, 20, I uh, packed my bags and went to Spain, had a couple tryouts uh, lined up for me through an agent. Uh, those didn't go so well. Uh, there were a couple, couple of big teams in Spain and, um, you know, whatever it was, just kind of didn't show myself uh, well enough. Um, luckily, though, on one of those trials, I played a friendly match and uh, a smaller team there um, saw me play in that game and they, they actually offered me a contract to come back. So uh, it was a team called Caruso um, in Spain. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was me. I was starting my, my Spanish journey at a much smaller club than I had planned to. But, um, you know, this is the only kind of opportunity I had. So I tried to uh, to take it and run with it a bit. And um, lucky enough, you know, I had a good year with them. And, and one of the bigger teams that uh, I'd originally gone on trial with uh, signed me after that that first season. So that was uh, Deportivo de La Coruña, uh, which is a pretty, pretty historic uh, team in Spain. Um, spent a year there with uh, with their reserve team, uh, you know, trying to break into their into their top group. They were playing in La Liga at the time, so uh, you know, listeners will obviously know Real Madrid, Barcelona, those types of teams, and, and that was uh, you know the level that that I'd always kind of dreamed of of making it to. Um, ultimately, I fell short of that. Uh, you know, it was pretty kind of big turning point in in my career, just in the sense that. Uh, up until that point, I kind of felt like everything was kind of written in stone, I guess. Uh, I felt like everything was falling into place. Even, you know, my, my ups and downs, the downs were hard to take, but uh, I always felt like they were setting me up for that big, uh, that big opportunity, right? So um, having that kind of thing uh, fall short, that was, it was a pretty tough uh, turning point for me where it was kind of, you know, uh, how do I regroup from this? Where do I go? Um, you know, I, at that point, I, I kind of only had eyes for, for the top of the game kind of thing. So um, eventually, you know, I kind of picked myself back up and uh, I figured that uh, being close to home might help me kind of relax a little bit, I guess, take the pressure off myself kind of thing. Uh, so I ended up signing with uh, FC Edmonton, uh, who at the time were playing in the North American Soccer League. Um, and if, you know, when I look back on my career, I kind of look at Spain as like um, very formative years, but also uh, the time where I was broken down the farthest. Um, and then, you know, Edmonton was kind of building myself back up to be the the man, the player I wanted to be. Um, so that was, you know, good couple seasons for me there. I was nominated for NASL Young Player of the Year. Um, you know, my first taste of kind of uh, becoming not just a, a young player with potential, but a, a guy who's actually contributing to a, a professional team day in, day out, um, you know, a key member of a team. Um, from there, you know, I made a move to uh, Ireland with Derry City. Uh, again, you know, kind of a cool club to play for, pretty historic in, in the Irish league there. Um, the big draw for me was they're playing uh, Europa League qualifiers, uh, any soccer fans listening will know is, is a big uh, continental tournament in, in Europe. Um, so that was the big draw for me. It was just that opportunity to, to be in the shop window and, and maybe kick on to something bigger. Um, you know, it was turned into a, a pretty good season. We ended up 
uh, we got knocked out of the Europa League, but uh, it's uh, yeah, neither here nor there. Uh, the, the the big one for us that year was uh, was winning the Irish Cup, um, the League Cup there. Uh, and that you know to date is kind of my biggest uh, accomplishment as far as results are concerned. Uh, you know, we're in a, a results based business where you're paid to win, so um, mm-hmm. that's you know my first piece of silverware as a professional, and it was a pretty uh, pretty amazing day pretty amazing night after too to be honest and actually week of uh celebrations were pretty fun um yeah that was you know kind of uh you know, i built myself back up at edmonton now i was taking everything that i'd learned uh through my experiences to that point and and it culminated with uh with that big kind of uh i mean trophy obviously but uh that feeling of of accomplishment right was was huge for me um, from there, I had uh, a pretty unique opportunity to uh, come back and play in Canada and, and be uh, one of the first players uh, signed in the Canadian Premier League, um, which for a young Canadian player coming through uh, in my generation, you know, we basically had Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver in the MLS. Uh, in my later years, you had FC Edmonton and Ottawa Fury. Uh, those are the only five professional uh, soccer teams in Canada. So you have all these, you know, excellent youth players. Canada's had had very successful youth teams uh, on the national level, uh, but nowhere really for those players to go play and continue their development. So um, that opportunity to come back to Canada, play close to home, and and be a part of a brand new league was was pretty unique and and something I I didn't want to pass up. Um, I've now spent three years in the league, three different teams. <laughs> it's uh, kind of a funny one. I never. You know, I didn't anticipate uh, jumping around that much, I guess, but uh, that's, I guess, how the, how the cards fall sometimes. Um, so 2019 with Pacific FC, uh, 2020 uh, with Atletico Ottawa, and now 2021 I've been with uh, Cavalry FC, which um, definitely been the best of the three years so far. Uh, Results-wise, we're, we're near the top of the table and heading into playoffs now. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good move, and... and uh, hoping that the, uh, the success uh, continues. Yeah. Um, only thing I guess I, I, I missed out on uh, career-wise is, is just with uh, the Canadian national teams. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to represent my country uh, all the way from under 18 levels, uh, all the way to the, the senior national team where I've, I've made two caps. Um, so that's obviously, uh, again, fo- football fans would kind of know a bit better than the average person, but you know, you have, you have club teams, national teams, and uh, if you're lucky enough, you get to play in both kind of um, spaces, right? So uh, playing for Canada is pretty, pretty special. Uh, you know, hard to hard to even put into words how, how cool that feeling is. So uh, you know, World Cup qualifying, Olympic qualifying, Pan American Games, um, <clears throat> wearing those those red jerseys with the maple leaf on your chest is is pretty special, and um, you know getting back to that level is, is definitely always going to be in the, in the back of my mind and, and something I'm kind of never going to give up on. Yeah. No, yeah. Sure. That's me. <laughs> that's, been nice this. that's my career till now. Hopefully yeah, yeah. Uh, next time we do this, I'll have a lot more uh, shiny things to talk about in the form of a uh, few trophies here at Calvary and, and uh, yeah, <laughs> plan to play till I'm, I'm 40 or 50. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Well, uh, you know, uh, what I like to do, I like going back to the beginning, kind of working through it. And, uh, you know, the first thing you said, you know, your parents, right? So, so how does that work? Man, woman, um, 
<laughs> well, when they love each other very much, uh, you know, one thing leads to the other, and I'm going to leave it at that because that's, you know, oh, that's the more intimate details are left to the imagination, and it's my parents, so I don't really want to think about that. <laughs> I might want to move on from that, but uh, no, that's interesting. So, yeah, you were saying at the beginning, you know, you were playing football, basketball, hockey. Interesting on a mix of sports, right? Because, you know, usually sometimes you see, you know, athletes go for sports that have maybe similar, what is it, characteristics almost, right? Where I think in Canada, guys probably play hockey and or people, I should say, hockey and lacrosse or, you know, different kind of sports like that. But uh, interesting to see you had like a little melange of everything. But uh, was there ever maybe a time where you're like, not maybe because you're better at one than the other, but you're like, hey, like I'd rather do hockey or basketball instead. Uh, you know, I dabbled in uh, being like, you know, I'm going to be in the NBA. I wanted to be the next Steve Nash for sure. Yeah. Um, same with hockey. You know, the Canucks were pretty fun to watch uh, when I was a kid, the West Coast Express. So, you know, I like yeah. to think I'd be the next Marcus Nasling kind of thing at one point. But uh, I don't know. Soccer, there was always something uh, a bit kind of romantic, I guess, about it to me that, you know, you it was kind of the sport uh, that I ended up playing after school most days with my buddies. Um, you know, you don't really need anything to play. You basically just need a little open space and a ball, right? And, and you can get a good game going, whether it's on the street and a tennis court uh, on, on a, you know, a shitty little gravel pitch uh, in the neighborhood, you know. Um, and then also just the influence of, of uh, I grew up in a pretty multicultural uh, community in Vancouver and, and, you know, seeing old Italian guys playing pickup games, you know, uh, that kind of, that aspect of just kind of soccer touches every, every kind of corner of the globe and, and brings people together, even when they don't speak the same language, they don't have the same customs, uh, different cultures. It, it, it just has that, that mm -hmm. unique kind of, uh worldwide appeal which which i always uh yeah i always just love that about it yeah yeah not to go off on a little tangent here because i do have a serious question to follow that but in, in the sense of like cultural differences and all that my dad has a buddy that he met in garden and as he got older he started refing in this italian league in montreal i guess they took it so seriously that i think he gave someone a no he, i think he was uh Gave someone a yellow card, something like that, or called offside, something simple, like not a big deal, you know, Sunday league, whatever. There's nothing really on the line. And uh, I guess the mob was connected to that team in Montreal, and they put a hit on him because he had a friend, because, you know, Portuguese, Italian, maybe eventually people know each other. And he was told that he had a hit on him because of that call on the game. And then he had to, like, go back, and, like, his boss talked to him. Yeah, and then they had to, like, call the, the hit off, and it was, I was like, wow, so, well, there, there's been some pretty big uh, gambling scandals with uh, with amateur soccer in Canada as well with the, the CSL. Um, I remember a big story coming out a few years ago about that. So I'm, I mean, that's a crazy story, but I guess I, I guess I'm not surprised. I've heard heard yeah. some crazy stuff like that. Yeah. But okay, now back to a little more serious, I guess. Um, in regards to like, you know, you're talking about childhood, you know, the sports you're liking. Obviously, I think most people listening, and even including myself, right? Someone who wants to work in sports business, because that's what the theme of the podcast is. I'm sure there's probably a time everyone listening was like, oh, I want to be, you know, a soccer player, hockey player, basketball player, whatever. And that kind of fuels that passion where like, hey, if I can't do it on the field or on the ice, then I'm going to like do it in the boardroom or in the offices, right? And 
kind of a question I want to ask you because, yeah, I always wanted to be a soccer or hockey player one day. But I think once I turned, I don't know, I, I think it was pretty good. But at seven, even though I was still playing, in my mind, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be like traveling around. Like, I don't want to be constantly like away from family, different things like that. And I kind of like decided, I'm like, I'd rather work in business instead. Did you ever have something like that where you always just, no, I want to be a professional athlete? Not even close. I literally like, uh, I remember being a teenager uh, and teachers asking, you know, career planning classes and all that kind of stuff. And teachers asking, what are you going to do? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to be a soccer player. Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, but, you know, you, the responsible thing to do is have, uh, you know, some backup plans and like you need to take your studies seriously and stuff like that. I was like, I take school seriously because I like I don't like to do anything. You know, I don't like to waste my time, basically. Uh, but I'm going to be an athlete like there's nothing there's nothing else I'm going to do kind of thing. And and, you know, I guess it's easy to say because it's worked out for me. But I think that mentality is part of the reason I am lucky enough to do what I love still is just that, you know, never, never letting any kind of punch keep you down kind of thing, right? You, you just keep getting back up and keep fighting for it. And, um, you know, every year I saw friends and, and teammates that were, you know, at some point in our careers, like probably better players than I was. Uh, but every year I saw a few more fall off, right? And, and you just kind of keep working your way to the top of that pyramid. And, um, yeah, I, I think for me, definitely the kind of one track mind helped. Um, I don't it definitely wouldn't be for everybody. Uh, but I think that's that's part of the reason that uh, I was lucky enough to kind of make my way to the the top inclinations because, you know, not like I'm a working class athlete here, but I, you know, wake up with a smile on my face every single day to go train. Right. No, I, I, that makes sense, because I think something I believe is in the sense that if you have a plan B, plan A isn't going to work, right? Because you're already thinking about, like, what's my exit on that, right? So, no, that, that makes sense why you're the one on the pitch and I'm the one, you know, behind the desk. But, uh, yeah, makes sense. But um, one of the things I also want to touch on, I think, and you just mentioned it again, right? You're talking about your teammates during a route, right? Where, yeah, your teammates are on the same team. You're, like, working towards the same goal of accomplishing, you know, something on the pitch. But at the same time, you know, coming up, you guys are competing against each other, right? Where, hey, like, Maybe there's a scout at the game, and if you know your your teammate on 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 the other side, if you know he he plays better than you, or you know maybe he holds on to the ball longer, or he has more touches, then maybe he's the one that's gonna get the opportunity. So how does that you know like how does that work? Cause it seems like a like an interesting dynamic to have, right? Where you know I I was even on, on on a date the other day with with this girl that's in law school, and she was telling me how even in, depending on the law school you're in, uh students will give you the wrong answers when you guys are working like group projects or assignments just to kind of like push them down and not and have less competition so did you ever see stuff like that on the pitch where people were almost like putting you in bad positions to succeed or was it always just hey no the best man to win or yeah that's a good question uh there's definitely not any uh glaring examples i can think of um i think there's definitely that underlying feeling of competing um for spots uh but in a you know in a team sport it is quite hard to to be the best version of you without a a good group of guys around you that that are helping you succeed right so i think uh for the most part it's always been the mentality that you know if we're better as a group we're all gonna be the best version of ourselves kind of thing um 
saying that uh this is actually a funny little trivia thing some some people are aware of this but uh a couple other guys in the league ben mckendry and callum irving kind of two of my best buddies um you know two of my groomsmen at my my upcoming wedding uh we the three of us have played together ben and i since we were five callum with ben and i since we were like 11. um it was kind of funny that like three guys from the same uh team you know we played on basically every single team together growing up um all kind of make it right like it's not just because the chances are slim for any one person it doesn't mean that that you can't all 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 do it right um and we you know the three of us when we sit down over a beer at the end of a season when we're all back in vancouver and we talk about it, like we always come back to like would any of us have made it without the other two kind of thing because we're always just like pushing each other always uh you know not letting each other kind of get too hyped up on on our successes and at the same time when when things weren't going well we always had someone to kind of shoot the shit with you know um so it is this kind of fine balance of yes like it is very competitive um but when the going gets tough you kind of know that uh that you also know nobody can make it alone kind of thing so it's uh yeah it's, it's a pretty cool balance I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other kind of analogies in in everyday life but um just you know given the the kind of i guess the short window of time that you have to to play sports and all those kind of variables i think it's a pretty unique kind of uh situation that you find yourself in trying to make it yeah no and to be honest i think i can make that you know connection to it. some analogy right where you know even though you know professional sports only a few people can do it it's still very relatable to like everyday life or you know working at you know let's say someone's in school right now listening or someone's you know just starting off their career it just comes back to that, you know, those saying where people are saying, you know, if you have a strong uh, a group of people b- beside you, you know, you're going to, they're going to rub off on you, right? So maybe that's the, that's the key to it, right? Where maybe it's not necessarily people trying to put you in a bad position, but if you find the right guys or girls or whatever, you know, team you're on, you know, they're just going to lift you up to that, right? Where maybe if you found bad teammates or you had, you know, bad people around you growing up, maybe kind of the same thing happens where, you know, you guys wouldn't be able to just shoot the shit or kind of keep you got yourself uh no level-headed so that does make a lot totally, of sense. yeah no, and it's, it's kind of you know even like basic economics where competition brings out the best in in yeah. companies right like it's the same for you put yourself in in a shark tank with a bunch of sharks and you're gonna learn to fight pretty quick you know um so i guess with with me and my group of of buddies that i came through with that was always the mentality it was like we were always going to tackle each other harder than anyone else was going to uh you know, we're always going to push each other harder than anyone else would. So, uh, and then you, you also never fall into that feeling of like, oh, I'm, I'm the best player on my team. I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who should make it kind of thing. Cause you always got someone fucking, yeah. excuse me. Uh, you know, you got someone uh, <laughs> kind of on your, on your ass, like getting happy, right? Like making sure that every single day you're putting your best foot forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes sense. It's almost the thing like, you know, I read stuff for like financial stuff sometimes. And, you know, when one friend I think is hitting it, it's stride in regards to, you know, making nice cash or investments or hitting the other one's like, Oh, like shit. If, if I don't catch up soon, you know, he's going to be skiing in the Alps and I'm going to be skiing at Cascade or whatever. It's, no, no offense. Yeah. Stuff. If you want to sponsor shout out, but uh, yeah, anyways, no, that, that, that's an interesting dynamic. And another thing I kind of want to move on to, right. Is then, you know, you're talking about your, your career kind of deciding things and, you know, you didn't really get that chance at Whitecaps at 18. And then, um, no, that was at 18 that you were at the Whitecaps. But then at 20 is when you kind of had that interesting decision, right? And, 
to be honest, I think it's almost even relatable to like school, right? Where, you know, some people, when they finish high school, they're like, okay, am I going to go to the trades? Am I going to go to university? Am I going to go straight to work? And you're kind of at the crossroads where like, hey, what do I do with my soccer career? Do I, you know, go off to Europe? Kind of, you know, go to this, what is, what would be the right word being for it? Unknown land, let's say, right? Because you've never really been a part of a club there. How did you come up with that decision where, you know what, hey, like, I, I should make that jump and, and see what it's like? That was just always my dream uh, was to, to try, right? Um, you know, I turned down scholarship opportunities, uh, all that kind of stuff to sign pro with the Whitecaps because I, I felt that that would give me uh, or prepare me the best to try and make a move to Europe. You know, that was always kind of uh, the end goal. Um, so I guess my situation with the Whitecaps just kind of sped that up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it, had I planned out my career at that point, it would have been, yeah, you know, be the, the hometown kid breaking through, uh, you know, killing it for a couple of years with, with the Whitecaps and then make that big Alfonso Davies type move. Um, you know, that's what every kid is dreaming about. Uh, the reality for me, I was just, you know, that was just, I was kind of forced into it a little bit. It was like sink or swim, you know, what do you want to do here? Uh, and so, you know, I just kind of made the decision to kind of bet on myself and go, uh, explore the unknown as, as you touched on. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, when I make uh, my pro career on FIFA, that's always how I started, you know, Canadian team, and you know, just trying to get picked up and, and work my way up. So no, I get yeah. that, <laughs> but, um, no, that's interesting. But, you know, as I was saying, the people listening are, you know, people that are interested in sports, they're working in sports and, you know, speaking to you can kind of give, provide some insight that, you know, they didn't get to experience it. Right. So obviously you said, yeah, I got to make the jump to Europe a little earlier. I always wanted to try it. But how does that work? Right. Obviously you said you had an agent that was helping you out with getting tryouts. You want to go maybe a bit more in depth than that, right? Because FIFA makes it seem so easy where, you know, offers just pop up, but I'm sure there's a little more work behind that. No, uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be, uh, you gotta have a decent name to just be getting offers at, uh, especially at 20 years old. Um, you know, I, I was lucky in that, uh, from the time I parted ways with Whitecaps, I, I think it was on a flight within three or four days, uh, my agent at the time had set something up and, you know, I was lucky at the time to have a decent profile for, for a 20 year old, you know, playing with the national team and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, being a bit highly touted in that regard, but it's still just a trial, right? It's still like, a, I initially went. I uh, flew out, think it, like it was a week to, to begin with. Um, a week turned into a month because they wanted to see a bit more of me. Um, but even after that, right, I didn't get picked up. Like it's um, it's far different than in FIFA getting an offer and you're negotiating your wages, right? Like this yeah. is like, I just want a contract. Like sure. I don't need, I was like, at that point, I was like, I'll pay you. Like I'll find a way to make that happen. You know, it's kind of, uh, you're fighting tooth and nail for just for the opportunity. So um you know and, and that was kind of the story of my my early 20s was was just going through that and and more than ever my my couple of years in spain was just that it was just fighting for that uh that opportunity and then obviously getting signed by deportivo was was a big big accomplishment for me but it was like basically just thrown into an even bigger shark tank of, of trying to make it with uh with a team and at that point the best league in the world right yeah, yeah no for sure that makes a lot of sense and kind of building on that as well right um, you know, I touched on Micah, another athlete that's with us at White Whale Marketing. And you know, I've spoken to him about, you know, the the process to becoming a professional football player, right? So he went to uh, D1 with Texas Tech, 
you know, he, you know, got a scholarship in that sense. But the way he got found was, you know, he was playing high school football, thought he was playing really well. And then um, his coach was like, hey, you have to go to a camp to get seen. And he didn't know that, right? Because his parents were immigrants. They didn't really know how, like, you know, how to get seen or get scholarships, right? Because it wasn't really in their in their field division. It was more so, hey, it's, it's a hobby. And he went to this camp, did an unreal vertical, and then the Texas Tech coach reached out to him, right, and, and went up to him. How does that kind of work in soccer? Is this kind of more so um, making a name for yourself in regards to that? Hey, if you make the national team, that goes a long way. But if you don't make the national team, well, what have you done? Or what do players do in the sense of, hey, like that, that's how you can still, you know, create opportunities for yourself? It's a good question because it's tough. Um, you know, these days, uh, guys, you know, we'll do highlight videos and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was kind of just starting, I guess, when I was looking into it. Um, it's yeah i mean soccer is also a different beast in the sense like uh you know say you have a 40 inch vertical and can run a you know a nine second or nine seconds would be a world record you might get a contract if you ran the fastest 100 meter in the world but uh, you know say like a 10 second 100 meter and 40 inch vertical like it really doesn't mean shit if you can't control a ball and pass the ball and and be in the right place at the right time right like it's um there's obviously all those intangibles in football too but um mm -hmm. i would just say like soccer is a lot less focused on the physical attributes um, especially in europe um you know spain's very tactical very technical um and then the physical attributes just i guess are kind of what can make you a bit of an x factor um again mm -hmm. alfonso davies is a good example like he's lightning fast but it wouldn't really be very useful if, if he wasn't so technically gifted uh you know dribbling with the ball crossing the ball passing the ball all that stuff right sure. um so you know soccer is really 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 tough to get any sort of an opportunity without a coach seeing you play um in a game where they you know even even a highlight video they're seeing you play but they don't know the quality of the opposition right you could be playing against your dad's buddies for all they know um you know obviously if it's in a big stadium that that counts for something um if it's teams that they know that they're aware of that obviously counts for something but um it's pretty hard to get an opportunity without uh kind of passing the eye test where they see you in person um whether that's you know watching a live game uh, in a in a known league or if you're like i was uh you know a bit of clout but but still a very unknown kind of talent um you go on trial you go bet on yourself and and see if you can show what you can do yeah no that, that that's pretty interesting just because um i don't know when, when you kind of think about it right where it's almost like building a brand on the field right i know we talk about more you know ourselves about building a brand off the field but you know even like speaking to mike when he's telling me about his route to become a professional football player and like what you're saying now, you're still kind of building a brand in the sense of, you know, what, you know, stadium you play in or league or even team or even just kind of trials you get. It's still kind of building up that resume of, you know, these well-known logos attached to you. And I think when I was starting university, when I was 17, 18, I had a professor or maybe it was like just a meeting that I had. And someone was telling me, you're like, you'd be surprised how important the logos are on your LinkedIn, right? Where, yeah, someone who can be, I don't know, let's say 25 and they're a marketing manager for mom and dad's pizza. Okay, cool, you're a marketing manager. But someone who has, you know, marketing coordinator, which is lower for Nike, 
that goes way further and kind of similar to, you know, soccer and I guess football as well, where, Hey, you know, if you got that, you know, uh, Canadian men's national team emblem or, Hey, you played in, you know, these large stadiums in the U S or Europe, then it kind of gives you that, you know, that cloud that you're talking about where, Hey, maybe it does give you a little more leeway or even just lengthens your career a bit. Cause they're like, Hey, this guy must have something because, you know, this league, this team, or this stage gave him that chance to, to kind of push that career a bit further. So it, it's just crazy to think about where, you know, it's, it's that right place at the right time thing, right? Still where I'm sure there's talents that go unnoticed just because they never played on that, a team that was maybe even competitive enough to see, you know, th those scouts or other, other competition as well. So that, that's cool. And then I guess kind of got diving into where your, your, your career in Spain um, you know, I met you at Atletico. You're talking to all those Spanish guys, you know, really well, even Fernando and all that. I'm looking at your transfer market. It says you're only there for two years. How'd you pick up Spanish so fast? Uh, well, I was there about two and a half years, if you include the time I was there on trial and all that and yeah. looking for a place to live and stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you should study, no like. Yeah, I mean, pretty much it was like if I didn't learn Spanish, I wasn't going to have too many friends. So, <laughs> you uh, you know, I'm a social guy. I like to talk. I like to you know, <laughs> be one of the guys. So, uh, it was, you know, same kind of thing, sink or swim. Like, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I pretty much just just pulled up YouTube videos and, and online court, like free online courses and stuff like that and just studied my ass off and uh you know speaking relatively fluently within three four months i'd say so little flex let's clip that um 34 minutes <laughs> anyways um yeah and then you know you're kind of talking about your career how that kind of went and then kind of not another crossroads right where you're like you know what i'm gonna go back to canada you know go to fc edmonton and kind of just like you're saying maybe relieve a little more pressure and at the same time you're talking about while you're at fc edmonton you kind of learn how to be a key member of a, like a professional club. You mind diving into that? Like, what does that mean? Right. Cause yeah, just, um, I guess the focus on the team rather than, uh, just getting better personally, like up until that point, it was just like me, 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 like, uh, you know, I need to perform. I need to train hard. I need to do X, Y, and Z to, you know, to get to that next level, to get my chance in the first team. Um, where when you're actually, you know, established in the team, you're, it's about results, right? It's about winning on Saturdays. Um, so just, you know, that switch in focus of, uh, obviously you still want to be the best version of yourself day in, day out, but it's what's the best version of me that's also going to be the best for the team. And, and um, yeah, so just that focus on, on results collectively, on, you know, the pressure of performing, you know, uh, yeah, you're, you're in the team, but you know, who knows one, two bad games and, and you could be right back on the bench, right back, uh, you know, looking for a new team the next year kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's just that kind of maturity of, of kind of falling into my own and finding my role in, in the team and then, uh, performing consistently enough. That's, I guess the biggest thing is, is finding that consistency to uh, to play game in game out and and give the team what it needs from uh, from your position. Yeah, okay, that, that, that makes sense. Is it almost more so like um, I'm I'm gonna use that you're talking about you know Spanish. You kind of studied your ass off and you're kind of just working at that. Is it also in the sense of let's say you go join a new team 
and kind of putting a strong effort in learning these new tactics and you know just the different strategies you guys have rather than like hey this is my game i'm gonna do my game and more so kind of buying into whatever you know the coach is trying to sell to you is that like a big part of that definitely yeah yeah i mean like when you're say on the outside looking in especially as a young player um you say you start out you're part you're part of the squad but you're you know on game days you're in the stands watching right only 18 players dress most teams have say 23 25 guys on the team right so you get brought in as a young player every single day in training you're trying to show that you're good enough to to be in that game day squad right so yeah when the coach is talking about tactics and when you're 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 working on on things collectively yeah you're paying attention yeah you're trying to do your best in that but like really all you're waiting for is like those scrimmages at the end of the practice to like show how good you are basically yeah. right um where then yeah maybe you start cracking the bench you're you're getting a few minutes here and there well now it's really the same kind of thing you're just you're trying to show that you're better than the guy playing in your position you're trying to compete you're trying to show whatever kind of x factor you bring you're trying to show that every single day um where once once you kind of establish yourself like yes you're still trying to do your best every single day you're trying to uh you know hold on to that shirt because the guy behind you is is coming for you you know at all times um but the way that you do that changes a little bit you're there you're playing week in week out because the coach knows what you're capable of and because you help the team with what you bring um so now it's finding almost like finding solutions to problems more collectively right so you're you're working on you know the, the opposition that you're going to play on saturday you're you're working on how you're going to break them down attacking wise how you're going to defend them um and so you become i guess not become because everyone should be a part of that but when you're when you're playing and you feel confident i guess in your your kind of stature within the team you can become you can kind of i guess let your focus shift to that that bigger kind of collective um value uh i guess and you know it's it's a pretty good topic because i i think you know the uh, the team atmosphere and and actually young players development could be increased exponentially if there was a way to kind of get young players to buy into that uh, yeah. earlier on and and before they've broken in like if you can already have that mindset of being that kind of professional um i would argue that you would actually break into the first team a lot faster but uh, it's easier said than done when you're when you're on the outside looking in yeah no that's um that's interesting and like i know you're talking about other stuff but that's the thing that kind of just jumped out on me because you know i'll admit i'm a hockey fan first that's what i kind of really buy into and when i listen to different hockey podcasts they always talk about different things about how you know there's guys who are in juniors or in college and you know, they're very much, hey, I'm a playmaker, I'm a sniper, that's that's my role. When we kind of go to the next level, you know, they may not have the talent or they're not buying in, they're just sold, hey, th this is what my game is. But that's when you see some players actually kind of have longer NHL careers is once they kind of buy into that mentality that you're talking about. And I probably just have two more soccer-related questions that we kind of get on to. I've got one more thing to add to that. And it's yeah, very yeah. simple. It's on that as well. So here, it, say it. And it's... After every single player that has made it to the top of the pyramid let's just call it is used to being the best player yeah they're used to being the guy at every level they've been at until they reach the top of that pyramid right so the ones that are able to find their role in 
uh, in that collective at the highest level are the ones that are going to stick. And it, like simple as that. And your yeah. role can grow. It, your role can change. Uh, it can become, you know, you, someone's still going to be the best player, the, you know, the right. go-to guy that's scoring all the goals at the highest level. There's a, always going to be those guys. But you're going to have a role to play along the way. Uh, and like I said, that's going to evolve and change. And if you can do that and always be what the team needs you to be, you have the best chance of, of getting to whoever you want to be, right? Whether that's the, again, the, the guy scoring a goal every game or, or, you know, making highlight real passes, whatever that is, it's, there's still, there's a route to take, uh, to get there. And it, there's, well, sorry, there's lots of different routes to take to get there, but none of them happen without doing what the team needs from you. Yeah, no, that kind of almost answers the question I was going to ask because, right, for, I don't know if I said this already at the beginning, I met you when I was, you know, at Athletical, you're at Athletical as well. And I remember sometimes at practice when I had to go film those stories and stuff and, you know, guys trying to do some tricks or that pizza thing that they were doing. I remember I see, you know, talking to some of the young guys after practice and kind of having them under your wing. Are those the kind of things that you're telling them or is there other stuff as well that you try to kind of pass off to young players? Listen, because I'm sure, right, with the stature you have, you know, in, uh, you know, the CPL, I'm sure there's going to be young soccer players in the league or maybe even other players in the league tuning in. So what's something that maybe they're a little too shy to ask you in person that maybe you can kind of just spew off here where whether it's a soccer player listening or even maybe it's just uh, John and accounting 101 at uh, Western? Uh, the biggest one I would say is don't be afraid to ask for for feedback, for help. Like, yeah. you know, uh, no, nobody's perfect in any walk of life, especially not in sports, like no player's perfect. So don't be above receiving feedback and don't be above going looking for feedback. I think um, all the best players that I've ever played with uh, would be equally, it sounds crazy, but they would be equally down to listen to what I, as a young player, had to say about their game as they were to tell me what I should be doing, right? Because they they have that, I guess, confidence that you're never the finished product. You can always be improving. You can always be getting better. Um, so young players that have that uh, are pretty awesome to work with. Uh, and, you know, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I, that's how I was as, as a young player. Like I was literally like, a, the old, older guys at the Whitecaps probably hated like road trips and stuff like that because I'd be like trying to sit next to them and just like pick their brains. But like, so like straight up being like, so what do you think of me as a player? Do you think I'm any good? Like, like, what do you think I could do better? Like, what do you like about me? What do you not like about me? Like, uh, you know, and they're just like, Jesus, kid, like I'm trying to talk to my wife on the phone, like piss off, you know, but yeah, yeah, just having that kind of, energy to want to be better and um you know you were at you were at ottawa so another example is like antoine couplin uh, like just a joy to work with because he's always trying to get better right and and that mentality whether it's in soccer whether it's in any other walk of life like that mentality of of uh not being above improving and taking criticism taking feedback and using that to to better yourself is uh is totally invaluable yeah, and you know what? Just kind of bringing back to, you know, in regards to people listening, right? Sports business students, etc. I find that's very applicable, even just in regards to, let's say you're, I don't know, you're in your fourth year, you're about to be graduating soon, and you're gonna go work in uh, 
you know, sports or the real world, the government, whatever, that's very applicable even to, you know, your, your career, even if you're not a soccer player, because, you know, when I came out of school, that's one of the things I think I'm the type of person, I'm always asking questions. And that's what, you know, directors or other people would tell me, they're like, hey, like, keep doing that because it's kind of, you know, other people are way too shy to do it. And they just continue messing up this, you know, this basic thing. Whereas you're always asking questions like, hey, like, I want to do that. I want to learn how to do this. And that's how you kind of get more responsibility and more trust because like, hey, like he's asked so many questions. He has to know. And like, let's at least give him a shot because he's like nonstop just eating my ear off of it. So like, let's give him something. Right. So I definitely see that. And even in regards to what you're saying, um, just, that's why I like doing these podcasts, giving me ideas. But um, you're, you're talking about, you know, finding your role in teams, right? I just kind of go on. I think even in regards to like, let's say my business with white whale marketing, and you think as you grow, you're like, hey, if we need a position of sales or merchandise, whatever, do you want the best person who's just like, I, I'm full of myself now, I'm the best designer in the world, like I don't need to talk to anyone else? Or would I rather have someone who's, hey, like, I'm open to hearing from someone from sales, marketing, accounting, anyone who has an idea for me that I can kind of just, you know, bounce around it. And obviously, I think, when you're saying that, I'm like, no, I'd want someone who's more open or well-rounded and maybe have less skill just because, you know, it kind of makes the team or the business overall a bit better. So, you know, that, that's interesting just to apply it to, to, to different things as well. Um, and my, my, my last kind of soccer-related question, it's not even kind of really soccer-related. I just know after soccer, you kind of mentioned to me before you're interested in working in, let's say, soccer operations or being a president of a club, something like that. So let's say I would throw you some keys, division three soccer team in France, England, whatever, what would you do? Like, what would you do to like make it different? Whether it's even from on field point of view, but I am a little more interested in the sense of off the field because um, I'm going to see how I can pick my words here. Uh, I've noticed, and not specifically Atletico, just other teams and even hockey teams, they're at lower levels, right? They're not the NHL. They're not, La Liga, but everyone tries to just emulate the top leagues, right? They're like, hey, that's who we want to be. Well, I think you kind of almost need to carve out your your own little identity. So I'm curious, what would you do if you're the president someone just threw you the keys? or like, hey, Ben, run the show. Well, it depends what the goals of the organization are. Um, you know, if you're using the third division team in England example, then the goal is pretty much unanimously promotion uh you know that's how you're going to be successful on the field and off the field like the amount of money you get from going from league one to the championship and then the championship to the premier league uh is astounding like they used to call the championship playoff game uh the 100 million pound game now i think it's worth like like Wait. significantly more than yeah. that um so if that's the goal uh you know you obviously are going to invest in in the on-field product first and foremost so uh mm -hmm. i'd be looking to sign hungry players uh over um over say established guys who want to come in with a big paycheck i think if you're working with a, a tight budget that's uh, and you see it in the cpl um you know you're gonna get more bang for your buck from from guys that are are hungry with a chip on their shoulder something to prove um you know, as opposed to the guy who wants to settle down and, and finish his career kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or the guy who's been at the highest level and is just looking to keep picking up a paycheck. So 
you know, that, that probably sounds simple uh, in theory, but in practice, yeah. it's a lot easier said than done um, because there's going to be, you know, a 35 year old guy who's had an amazing career uh, who you kind of peg as the guy who would just come, you know, to be uh, basically, you know, retiring <laughs> kind of thing, pick up a few more paychecks. And that's going to be the guy who, who actually is going to be, you know, tackling people every single day at training, like on everyone's ass. And, uh, you know, Nick Ledgerwood, my captain here at, at Calvary, who uh, was also my captain at FC Edmonton, like he'd be like the perfect example of that type of guy. Like this guy is 36 years old. He's like one of the top professionals on the team in terms of taking care of his body in early every day, doing all the right things. Uh, and he is like, honestly, just like a noticeable omission if he's injured or whatever. If he misses, if he misses a training session, you notice that the standard of everyone else drops because he's, he, he brings so much energy and kind of uh, enthusiasm and professionalism to it. So bringing that back to, to the players you're signing, that's ultimately yeah. why you'd get paid the big bucks as, as a GM of a team is to, to figure out, you know, who's going to be a guy like that for me. Um, and that guy could be 21 years old. He could be 30 years old. He could be 35 years old. It, there's really no, you know, kind of algorithm to figure it out, but um, I'd like to think that I'd have a pretty good eye for that. So th those would be the types of guys that I would go after are the guys who are going to make not only, you know, do their job on the field, but make everyone around them better. Um, and then, you know, building off that to the off field side, I would pretty much take the same mentality. I'd be looking for uh, people who are going to punch above their weight. Um, you know, a marketing manager that is not afraid to go knocking on doors uh, in the community, talking to people, getting their in, in, uh, input. You know, what do you what do you think is missing from our club? Like, what would you like to see on game day? All that kind of stuff. Um, that's pretty typical kind of uh, ideas. But I think the kind of the kind of um, grassroots approach to it, um, I'd be a big fan of. Uh, you know, the Bernie Sanders type uh, presidential campaign, right? Like where you're, you're really trying to build that impact in the community. And in my opinion, the only way to do that is by including the community and, and making people feel like they're a part of the team. So on the field, I'd be looking for guys who punch above their weight, more bang for their buck and off the field, I'm going grassroots, bring the community into uh, that feeling of family around the club. Yeah, to be honest, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Even when you just think about it, right? Where, you know, sometimes guys who have been there before, they don't have as much desire, right? Those guys that are trying to get to that top level again, they're just like, they're doing whatever they can, right? So I definitely see that where... You Find know, you a so, guy who can do both. Exactly. Nick Ledger was my man. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to him. Yeah, but uh, no, that's definitely interesting. And then in regards to what you're saying, in regards to the, the whole thing of it, um. Yeah, I, I kind of see that too, right? And just in regards to that, I'm just always going to refer back to myself because I'm the that's my the experiences I have. But when you're thinking about, you know, sometimes when, you know, we have meetings, clearly when I go across from someone in a meeting, I'm not a 50-year-old man with white hair and, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, doesn't look happy at all, right? And he has all this experience and I'm 20-something and people are like, whoa, wait, this guy's kind of young. But that's where I think sometimes we have an advantage because we have that hunger and trying to prove ourselves right we're like no hey no we're actually that good whereas other people are like hey like nine to five give me my money let me go see my wife right 
different things like that. So I definitely see the, the hunger aspect of it, but no, I'm definitely well, cool. And, th- and then the, the flip side of it is again, the Nick Ledgewood example is like the young guys on our team look at the career that he's had. And, you know, I'm sure they're thinking like, wow, like I would love to yeah. have that guy's career 12 years in Germany, 50 caps for the Canadian national team. Right. Uh, he could be the guy that is done. Is just here to hang out and, and get that paycheck. Right. So, what does he do what are the little things that he does consistently that allow him to be the guy he is today because that's what has probably led him to have the successful career he's had all along right is is those little things um where now he's you know he's made it to the top and he hasn't changed he's still doing all those little things that got him there no no for sure and just regards to kind of closing that question up and then we'll wrap up the whole thing um, I know I watched like, this short doc in regards to, you know, the different championships in England and how it works. Apparently now foreign investors are even going to like the low tiers, right? Whether it's three or two. Ryan Reynolds. Not that, exactly, right? Well, I think more in regards to like content and different things like that, because I don't really know if they're actually trying to level up, right? I think they're, yeah. I don't know. But I know like the Wolves, for example, I was watching a, a doc on it, and, you know, Chinese foreign investment. I'm like, hey, we're going to dump so much money in here. And as soon as you get to the EPL, the I think just the Sky Sports alone, the, the deal from Sky Sports once you get to, to the EPL, it kind of covers your investment, right? So it's kind of an interesting dynamic of all that. But yeah. And last thing I'll say on that too. Have you ever watched Sunderland Until I Die on Netflix? Yeah, of course. Okay. Let's Top yeah. 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 Right. I think there's a season coming out actually. Oh, yeah. Honest. But no, that, that's good stuff. Um, yeah. So kind of to wrap it all up. I have two questions I like to ask everyone at the end. So I kind of lied. I thought there was only the one question. No, I know. I lied. Um, False advertising here, man. Yeah, yeah, don't report me. Um, So the first one is in regards to – I always forget it. it Oh, yeah. We're going to go to the future. I don't know why. I know I'm going to live until 103 years old. I'm going to be on a rocking chair just thinking about all the good times. Let's say you, you're 103, you're on your own rocking chair. And you're thinking back to your career. What is one story that's going to stick out to you when you're on that rocking chair? And you're like, wow, that was a good time. Like, what, what's a story that you're never going to forget that you're like, I can't believe I got to do that for a living? Oh. Not that story, the other one. Yeah. Also, <laughs> not my week after winning the Irish Cup. Yeah. Those ones will stay hidden. <laughs> no. Uh, no, my. Uh... I'll go with a heartwarming one, I guess. Um, that's why uh, two caps for the men's national team, uh, a lot less than Nick Ledgerwood. <laughs> uh, but, you know, two of the proudest moments of, of my entire life, um, one of which uh, was in Scotland against Scotland uh, in a friendly at uh, Easter Road in, in Edinburgh. And my mom and uh, and my stepdad flew out for the game. Uh, oh. My mom hasn't hasn't gotten to see me play professionally a whole lot. Uh, or at, at that point, she hadn't. 2019 with Pacific was close to home, so she got to come a bit. And she did come to Spain once and Edmonton a couple of times. But the games were few and far between that she'd gotten to uh, to see me play in. And and so to have her there at you know arguably one of if not the biggest games of my entire career um, yeah. was really, really, really special for me. Just how much she invested in, in my career. Uh, I mean, financially driving me around, paying for, you know, tournaments and stuff like that for me to go away with teams, but also obviously the emotional roller coaster uh, that it is uh, being a parent 
to begin with and then obviously having a kid uh with such kind of lofty goals so all that time and energy and, and investment that she put into me um to share that you know that that experience with her and have her there in you know our pretty rocking uh crowd i think there's eighteen thousand people there or something like that um to have her just experience that and see me come on the pitch and do what she knows i love more than anything in the world was uh unforgettable for me yeah no uh, that's top notch but uh a lot of, there's gonna be another question following that up because i just thought of something uh how does that work in regards to the national team do you like are you are they kind of reaching out to you like hey ben like you're on our radar that you know if you continue playing well we're gonna call you or is it just tuesday ben coming to scotland pack your bags like, how does that work no, it's, you, you know, you know, when you're in the mix, uh, just like, you know, when you're out of the mix kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you're in the mix, they have a pool of players they're picking from and, and, you know, you'd be on a, a, a preliminary, preli well, preliminary, <laughs> it's been a long day. Come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'd be on a preliminary list, uh, for an upcoming game or tournament. Um, and then, you know, few weeks before you you'll find out the final squad kind of thing oh, fair enough well uh i think i'm out of the mix then um yeah. last last question then so i said when to the future i can go back in time because i found when i was you know 18 going to coffee shops with you know execs and sports and at the end i'm like hey anything do you have to share with me and they kind of just throw me a little nuggets of advice and be like the simplest things i'm like well like that's that's nice so if you can kind of go back and talk to 16 year old Ben or 18 year old Ben, whatever year you want, or even just 18 year olds listening that, you know, are starting school, you know, kicking off their career. What's something that you would tell them that you wish you knew at that age, whether it's life or career related. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ups and downs. You, you never get to live it twice. Uh, there's been, you know, it's so easy when you're so focused on on your 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 goal, whatever it may be. It's so easy to just be so attached to that that you you don't stay present along the along the journey. And there's so many you know memorable times, both good and bad. Uh, that yeah, I, I have I have zero zero regret, but just times that I would love to go back and live for another few minutes and just enjoy the yeah. moment. So. Yeah, that, that oh, would be well, what I'd say. That's why that's the last question. I think it's always a great way to end the podcast. But um, unless there's anything else or if you have something coming up that you want to chat about, now's the time. If not, thanks for coming on. Oh, that's awesome, man. That was really fun. Thanks for having me. Well, that's episode, what is this, 86 of the route. Thanks for joining us and uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Mm -hmm.